Good morning. Uh, one of the really cool things about reading scripture um, for the service, um, I think that all of us who do that have, is being able to go through these scriptures over and over again. Um, this week, um, these are particularly on the tongue, uh, which I am the chief of sinners on using incautious words with my family over the years. And I thought that uh, Anthony just could have sent Guido over to work me over uh, as I read these scriptures over and over again. So um, really uh, listen as Jorgen and I go through these scriptures, and then we'll pray. The one who conceals hatred has lying lips, and whoever utters slander is a fool. When words are many, congression is not lacking, but whoever restrains his is prudent. The mouth of the righteous brings forth wisdom, but the perverse tongue will be cut off. The lips of the righteous know what is acceptable, but the mouth of the wicked what is perverse. An evil man is ensnared by the good question of his lips, but the righteous escapes from trouble. From the, tru from the fruits of his mouth, a man is satisfied with good, and the work of the man hence comes back to him. Whoever speaks the truth gives honest evidence, but a false witness utters deceit. There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. A gentle tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. The heart of the wise makes his speech judicious and adds persuasiveness to his lips. A dishonest man spreads strife, and a whisperer separates close friends. If one gave an answer before he hears, it is his folly and shame. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat his food. Whoever gives an honest answer kisses the lips, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in a setting of silver. With patience, a ruler may be persuaded, and a soft tongue will break a bone. Father, thank you for these words. And uh, I know all of us have used incautious words when our tongue has not been bridled by your Holy Spirit. Father, may we allow your Holy Spirit to speak with us. May we listen and allow his bridle in our mouth. I pray that you would bless Anthony as he brings these important practical words to us. In Christ's name, amen. Thanks, guys. So what a way to start a sermon with just immense conviction as you read verse after verse after verse. Uh, before I, be, I, I begin this morning, we, we, we discuss words. I'd like to give much, of, much credit this morning to 
uh, Keller and Kidner for their wisdom around the book of uh, Proverbs. And in fact, I don't think I could actually preach this sermon without them. And, and much of what I'll give you this morning is, is, is a template that, that Keller has given. And so instead of even reinventing a wheel, I'm going to just give you his glorious wheel uh, this morning. And uh, instead of um, quoting him over and over and over again, I'll just give him one big shout out before we begin. Um, but these guys have uh, provided with so much wisdom, and I hope I can pass it along with you today. The Proverbs, as you have already heard, um, possesses so much wisdom around the weight of our words. Um, those words that we read this morning, they have immense gravity around them. In fact, Keller says that the book of Proverbs is actually telling us uh, how you speak will make or break your life. How you speak will, will make you or, or break your life. Um, and I have to tell you that studying the significance of words and seeing my um, failure to use words wisely in my own marriage um, has me a bit shook. In fact, this, even this morning, I had to apologize to my wife for just being a, a, a dummy, <laughs> you know? Um, my tongue is, is, is not the best. Derek Kidner, if that's not, you know, uh, eerie enough, uh, Derek Kidner, he says, as many as three out of the seven abominations listed in chapter 6, 16 and 19, you know, you know the things that God hates, uh, are examples of the misuse of words. So I'm like, dang, this is really tough. Um, and, but that's definitely a sermon for another day. But I have a title. I have a title for a sermon for another day on that. And it's, uh, um, I'm thinking, my working title with, uh, on it is when, you're, when Your Tongue Ticks Off the Lord. Um, that, that, that'll, that'll, be the, that'll be the next sentence, uh, next uh, sermon on, on, um, on, on the tongue when I give that, if I ever get called back to give a sermon. Um, <laughs> but for focus, because I, I do have to focus, I'm, telling, I'm using words. And I know John's just waiting to burn me for using too many of them. I, I just I, I got some getting out ahead of it. <laughs> uh, we're going to focus on three things, okay? Three things to give us pr parameters and focus. So we're going to look at the power of words. Uh, we're going to look at the character of words. And then we're going to look at the healing of words, okay? So the power of them, the character of them, and the healing of them. Power, character, healing. So let's, let's talk about um, power. There's, there's immense power in words. Chapter 12, verse 18, a proverb says, There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. We'd be wise to consider the power of our words. See, whether they be calculated or clumsy, they are all capable of cutting deeply. Uh, deep enough to wound and deep enough to kill. And some scoff at the idea that a word could kill, but let me point out what Proverbs 18, verse 21 says. It says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Death and life are in the power of, of the tongue. Um, think about it. Words have started all the wars that have ever been fought on planet Earth. Words started them. 
Uh, tanks are mobilized, airstrikes are ordered, the cogs of the war machine move when a word is given. When you think about it like that, when you paint it in that perspective, powerful. Words can kill. Um, words sometimes can even be the source of suicide. Do you guys remember back in 2020 when a woman texted her boyfriend to kill herself? And then when he called her from his carbon monoxide filled car, expressing his reluctance to die, she ordered him to get back in? Do you guys remember that? Well, according to a Boston Newspaper, the case garnered national attention and it raised thorny legal questions around free speech and provided a disturbing look at teenage relationships and depression. It also sparked legislative proposals in Massachusetts to criminalize suicide coercion. Words have power. Now, obviously, we shouldn't heed every word that is spoken, but it does provide my point. It points out a very powerful fact that our words are, in fact, powerful. Remember how the, the Hutus called the Tutsis cockroaches? Do you remember how the Nazis called the Jews vermin? These are all had devastating results around the rhetoric of people. Our tongues are powerful. Today, dehumanizing, degrading talk like this and so much worse continues to poison nearly all spaces of influence in the world. Reckless words are doing terrible damage in homes, churches, schools, government, and media. And I think in this current time, we need to remember that. It was, it's been since 1988 when Hamas posted their founding uh, documents, which said that Basically, Israel did not have an, a right to exist as a people. Death is in the power of the... Of the death death is, actually has power, and it comes from the tongue. Therapy uh, today is at an all-time high as people wade through the psychological trauma of hurtful words embedded within their individual histories. Mothers and fathers who were told by their mothers and fathers that they are fat, stupid, lazy, along with words which are not appropriate for church, have been passing damaging language along from generation to generation. My own mother, and this makes me sad, see, she still can't shake the sting of the weaponized words that her mother used on her. My mom is a stuck human being. She can't move on past those powerful words. Words, if allowed, they can set off a devastating chain of events incapable of being remedied for some people. It doesn't have to be that way, but that's the way it is for some people. Words have power. Because words are one of those things that last forever. That's the most weird and strange thing about words is that they last forever. Once you release them, you can't get them back. And I have, a, I have a laundry list of lines that I've used over the past, you know, 45, I'm not 46 yet, 45 years. I got a laundry list of things that have left these lips, and I'm so sorry that I can't take them back. It's like a genie in a bottle. Once you get that, once, once those get out, you can't stuff, stuff them back. Ugh. I, and, I, and I wish I could. I wish I could stuff words back in the bottle, but I, I can't. You can't. 
uh, Keller suggests, and I agree, we need to redo the saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, to, but words can actually destroy my soul. Words tell us that what is done to you isn't anything like what is done in you. That's, that's Keller as well. Additionally, words don't just destroy the individual, but they destroy community. We see this in the Proverbs 16, chapter 16, verse 28 says, a dishonest man spreads strife and a whisperer separates close friends. A lie destroys the very thing you need in the world, which is relationship. Uh, No man is an island, and when you try to, there's all sorts of trouble that arises from that island. Uh, We need relationship. And we'll get into this more in a minute, but, but you see that words can actually fracture community. Words don't only have, only have the power over the listener, uh, the hearer, but they also have power over the speaker as well. Chapter 12, verse 13 says, an evil man is trapped by his sinful talk. And chapter 13, verse 2 says, from the fruit of his mouth, a man eats what is good. In other words, in other words evil words hurt the speaker and good words are like food. The book of James in chapter 3, he elaborates on this well and wonderfully, beginning in verse uh, verse 2, chapter 3, says, for we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. What James is saying is although relatively a small thing, words have an immense amount of power um, in our lives, in your life, in my life, negatively and positively. Let's look at it real quickly negatively. Negatively, words, they clothe our thoughts. They, the words embody our thoughts. They clarify and they express what's going on up here and here. They actually, they give them life and, and color. For example, when we say, when you say, I hate you, I wish you were dead, well, where does that come from? And here's where Keller gets very Kellerian. He says, you, you said hate because you felt it. And after that, you feel it because you said it. Because once you say something, it clothes and strengthens the thought. You said it because you felt it, but after that, you're going to feel it because you said it. Words clothes, clothe our thoughts. It's, it's what's happening. And then you're at this point, you're saying, well, maybe I shouldn't express my negative feelings. But then chapter 10, verse 18 comes and it says, but he who conceals his hatred has lying lips. He don't even have to say it to be a liar. <laughs> so what are we supposed to do? When you go through all these things and, and the proverb is, 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 is just working on your heart and touching on these very sensitive subjects, what are we supposed to do? Well, you must use the power of speech positively. In other words, you have to talk, but you have to use your tongue in the way that God has designed it. So primarily, in Scripture, God says, you need to talk to me. you got to talk to God. And the beautiful gift is that of confession 
and repentance and the process of being healed and restored. You have to tell the Lord that there's stuff going on here and here, and sometimes it slips out in your tongue and it gives color and shape and form to all the things going on in there. You have to tell the Lord, um, I'm sorry. We have to tell the Lord, I need healing in that area. The Lord, we, we need help for our words. Of course, um, this is where good community is so helpful because you also need to be able to talk to someone who can actually help you. Um, you gotta t- you'll be able to talk to someone, you can tell them everything, and they can love you in that process. And they can give you wise words in exchange for the words that are troubling you. So you have to talk. You can't just bottle it up. You have to talk. And that's, a, that's also a challenge to all of us because we do like to bottle things up so much and keep it a secret. There's some stuff that we just don't want to put out there. But God says, talk to me. Tell me everything. Tell me, all, tell, tell, tell me everything that hurts. And then... And then we have to have community that we can exchange that with. So when you talk about it, it clothes those words in a helpful way, and then you get perspective around it. Remember, there is death, but there is also life in the tongue. And those who um, love it will eat its fruit. So there's not just death, there's life there. And that's why the Proverbs are so tricky or challenging and hard to comprehend And this is why language is so powerful. We need words to live. We need words from the inside. We need words from the outside. Words from the inside meaning you express yourself because you want to be known. You have to get out what's going on here and here to people. Ask my friends. Sometimes they can't get me to shut up. (laughs) And John just is smiling. He's a, a, an affirming smile. Thanks, buddy. Um, but, you, but we have to talk, right? We have to talk. We have to express ourselves. We need words from the inside. Um, and then, and then we, have, we need words from the outside, too. I know popular psychology says it doesn't matter what people say about me. It only matters what I say about myself, which is simply just not true. If you're... And I'll just be as general as I possibly can, but athletes, uh, artists, athletes, academics, etc. you can say you're great at something, but you must be validated by the right people in order to actually be great. I mean, you can say I'm great at playing guitar, but what would Jimmy Page, John Frusciante, David Gilmore say when you showed them your skills, right? What would they say? Because they can determine greatness, because great can see greatness, right? right? And you get the point. I don't need to berate anybody. Keller says, you don't have a, a, a self unless someone sees you from the outside. And so we need affirming words. We need, we need words that, that, sh- that help us, uh, you know, see who we are. Sometimes, sometimes uh, my friends see me in ways that I don't even see myself. And I'm so grateful for those kind words. You probably have the same experience. Which is, why, which is why the silent treatment is like the worst thing you can ever do. It's, the, it's one of the cruelest things you can do to someone is to say, you know what, I'm shutting this off and you don't get them anymore. What the proverb is saying is that, that words are so important. There's, there's so much life in them. And, if we, and we know that. And that's why we shut off the valve when we, when we determine someone does not deserve them, right? 
We don't live by bread alone. That's something that Peter said to, to uh, Jesus. We need the word. We need Jesus. And we need words. What kind of words? Well, let's talk about the character of words. Let's consider the character words, uh, the giving of them and the receiving of them. I'm going to give you five things that we're going to go through quickly. Number one, uh, we're going to look at truthful and honest words rather than deceptive. Number two, kind and gentle rather than rash words. Number three, wise and apt rather than careless. Uh, Number four, forthright and courageous rather than gossip. And number five, economical rather than uh, impulsiveness. Let's take truthful and honest. Proverbs 12, verse 17 says, Whoever speaks the truth gives honest evidence, but a false witness utters deceit. When we are dishonest or when we withhold the truth, we are denying someone the right to understand reality. And that's why the truth is so important. Because we should convey reality to someone if we're going to be helpful to them. And therefore, we hurt community, as we've talked about before. um, And we ruin someone's ability to make an informed decision when we we shroud, when we cover and and conceal the truth. And that's why advertising, um, it's why advertising, which doesn't tell the truth, is so frustrating. And we live in a world with false advertising, right? Um, When I smoked my first cigarette, I had this vision of a svelte cowboy in the plains of Montana. Um, uh, A a slick punk rock musician with beautiful punk rock babes. But I had no idea that the reality would actually be a 12-year-old on a creek with his cousin, no babes, coughing up my lungs. No one told me the actual truth wasn't helpful. Um, could have saved me a lot of uh, frustration. We need the truth. And, uh, and, and, and not just now more than ever, but, but just we need the truth in general. The truth has always been um, uh, under attack. Always, there's always an onslaught. There's always propaganda. We need the truth. And we can give that to people. And that truth must be gentle. It has to be, has to be gentle. It, it, it can't um, be rash. It's got to be kind and gentle. It can't be rash. Um, Proverbs 15.1 says, A soft answer turns away wrath. This doesn't mean that you're just nice and mealy-mouthed. Not at all. Um, Proverbs chapter 25, verse 15 says this. It says, With patience a ruler may be persuaded, and a soft tongue will break a bone. Now that is a tremendous line. The Hebrew idiom to break a bone means to break down the most hardened resistance to an idea a person may possess. So um, gentle speech, it can be pointed, it can be argumentative, it can be uh, contradictory, Dictory, it's just gentle and kind. Gentle truth can be immovable because the truth is immovable. 
People may not want to hear the truth, but they ought to be able to know, and they should be able to tell that bone-breaking words con- conveyed, uh, and con- bone- bone-breaking words convey that they are cared for. They convey that they're loved. And that's what the proverb is talking about. Harsh, sarcastic, demeaning words, even in a gentle tone, on the other hand, they inflict so much pain We have learned, probably if we're wise enough at examining our own lives, that we can be entirely right in one way and entirely wrong in another. We can be right with our words and wrong with the way we implement those words. Truth does break bones, but it can gently do it when there's care involved. Therefore, words must be wise and apt, right? Wise and apt, rather than careless. Proverbs 10, 32 says, the lips of the righteous know what is acceptable. Proverbs 25, verse 10 says, a word fitly, or the NIV says aptly, spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. This has to do with timing and context. means choosing words to fit the sensibilities of the listener. Words which actually make sense to the hearer. It would be completely unkind to use words that your audience doesn't understand. Speak over them. Talk over them. Proverbs 24, verse 26 is interesting because it likens truth to a kiss on the lips. Whoever gives an honest answer kisses the lips. What does that mean? Well, Herodias uh, um, explained that a man of equal ranking was, created, was greeted with a kiss on the lips, whereas one of a lower rank was greeted with a kiss on the cheek. It was a way of uh, establishing um, social order and structure. The proverb is offering wisdom around our communication patterns, the way we understand one another, which is why it's uh, it's. it's perfectly acceptable and it makes a lot of sense to lower yourself when you're talking to a child to get down to their level. Um, you don't necessarily need to learn all the you know, language of a child, but you can slow yourself down enough to um, help them understand what you're actually saying. It keeps us from, you see, when, we, when, we're, when we're thinking about wise words, apt words, fitting words, we're thinking about the context and caring for the people in the room, loving the hearts that are actually before us. Um, it, it, it means we're not going to be bullheaded about ourselves, right? Because how many times have you said or you heard someone else say, well, this is the way I, this is the way I roll, uh, you know, take it or leave it, you know, you know, or, or you know, I'll just run over, run over you, whatever. And, and it's just so aggressive. Well, wise and apt words are, are thoughtful. They're careful. They're considerate. Meaning we'll always learn how to make adjustments with the way we communicate with people. And just because someone may be dense or dull or not up to speed, it doesn't mean we use derisive words. We're going to to slow down our pace with them. And of course, when you start thinking about it, you see how Jesus is the perfect embodiment of all of this, right? Jesus always meets us right where we're at talks to us in a way that we can understand, and is patient enough to walk with us on that journey. 
That's why I love the three and a half years that he spends with these disciples because these guys are like me. They're a bunch of, you know, dummies and Jesus doesn't abandon them. He's just so patient and he keeps giving them kind words. He keeps giving them loving words. And, he keeps, and then he keeps walking with them. And even when they, at the very end, when they bail on him, even when they're, when they're completely horrible and, they, and, they, and they, they, you know, they, they head for the hills, there's Jesus just loving them, right? And then, and then even on the other side of things, on the other side of the rebellion, on the other side of their betrayal, he's there with words of love, reconciliation, kindness, tenderness, affection. He shows us how to speak to people. He shows us. And he keeps us, you know, wise and apt words, wise and apt words keep us from uh, unhelpful historical patterns. How many of you said, well, this is the way my mom and dad used to do it, so that's the way I'm going to do it. Well, there's nothing wrong with making some adjustments, you know? <laughs> my dad primarily yelled at me when he was angry, and my mom primarily manipulated me when she was wanting something. You don't have to repeat those things. You don't have to follow those in those footsteps. Jesus shows us there's a better way. I think having two very different children, one very different wife, interacting with very different people has taught me, and the Proverbs have taught me how to read a room. And I'm so, so surprised at how many people don't know how to read a room, right? Don't know how to know what's going on with people. Number four, therefore, words, when they have all come together in kindness, they must be forthright and courageous. In other words, we need to be willing to tell the truth. When the time is fitting, when the time is apt to keep community and to help the hearer, we mustn't beat around the bush. This is not something I struggle with. Uh, I do not struggle with beating around the bush. Uh, I struggle with, with one through three. That's what I struggle with. This is why I write down all my words. Because I know I am a dangerous, I got a dangerous tongue. I, I know I got a terrible tongue. And it's, and it's better to have a, a, a bit, a bridle, um, you know, whip it a few times before I get into this, you know, whatever this lane is. Um, got to be careful. But the bottom line is most people do not find being forthright and courageous to be an easy thing to come by. The bottom line is that most people won't say what needs to be said. And when they do say it, they say it so meanly, so callously, so, so sarcastically, so derisively, so destructively. In fact, we have preachers in our nation today that are celebrated because they're caustic and awful and they demean. It's, it's sad. It breaks my heart. That's not the Lord's heart. That's not the way Jesus has called us to communicate. And if I ever am abusing you, you know, tell me. Tell me I'm being an idiot. Tell me, tell me I'm being mean. Be kind. I don't want niceness. I, I don't want people to be mealy-mouthed around me and, 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 and tell me, oh, that was fine when it wasn't. That was good when it wasn't. Tell me the truth. We need the truth. And then, again, in the end, number five, our words need to be economical. They have to be economical. 
Chapter 10, verse 19 says, when words are many, transgression is not lacking, but whoever restrains his lips is prudent. This is where I was so worried. I'm like, if I talk and talk and talk and talk, I'm going to get it from John. He's going he's to get me. So I'm like, just focus. But one through four, guys, really requires thought and care. And when you think and you care and you're loving that person in front of you, then you're going to be mindful of the words that you're using. You'll slow down. You'll, you'll slow down enough. And of course, if you come from it from a gospel perspective, you'll always consider how Jesus talks to you. He talks to us. But I know, I know some of you are saying, after all those Proverbs, this, this just stinks. I'm just going to keep my mouth shut for the rest of my life. Uh, I'm, I'm just going, I'm going silent. I'm, I'm just not going to say a word for the rest of my life. But then you got another proverb that, that comes in and wrecks shop. Um, chapter 17, verse 28 says, even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. <laughs> what he's saying is science can only make you appear wise. It doesn't make you actually wise. You're like, ah, then you, you want to rip out your hair. All, all this being said, when it comes to our words, Proverbs can create a bit of despair. It, it really can. How many of us go through all these uh, Proverbs today? I'm so thankful, Larry, that you shared your heart in the very beginning uh, about the conviction around what you're reading just preparing for this because that's how I feel, and I think that's probably how most of us feel when we read these Proverbs. are saying, I just utterly blow it. Like, my, my tongue is terrible, and it'd be easier just to rip it out. And then you're saying, well, even if I didn't talk, then I'd still, I'd only appear uh, wise and intelligent. It wouldn't actually make me wise and intelligent. And like, so, so then you're, again, ripping your hair out, and you're like, this is, this is awful. What do I do? What do I do? Well, the Proverbs points out that our words must be healed. That's what the Proverbs is telling us. Our words must be healed. And Jesus ex explains in, uh, in Luke chapter 6 that it's out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. So he's saying what we say is actually revealing the contents of what, what's inside of us. And now you're saying, oh, this is just getting, this went from bad to worse, right? This is terrible. Anthony, I'm going to use my words and tell you to shut up, right? But in other words, what comes out of the mouth is an indication of our heart because our words are always clothing our thoughts. And here's the thing. Willpower is not enough. It can't just commit to saying the right things and working on better lines, et cetera, et cetera. The problem with the tongue is it's connected to the heart and it's telling us that there's something wrong with it and that it, that it needs to, to be, be, be healed. It's telling us that there's something sick, there's something wrong. We have to ask ourselves, when, we, when our words are clothed and they reveal the content of our heart, what are they saying about us? That's what we have to ask ourselves. I know, I know this just keeps getting bad to worse and then it's like, ugly now, but what is it, what are they, what are your, what are your words saying about you? What are my words saying about me? I know what my words say about me, and they say all sorts of um, good and bad things. But, but let me ask you this, why do you, and I'm including myself in this question, why do you lie? Why do you spin things? Why do you flatter? Why are you not always honest? 
I can tell you why I'm not always honest. There's a variety of, of things going on in me about why I'm not honest. But, but we have to know that for ourselves. Why, am I, why do I lie? Why do I flatter? Why, why am I not always honest? Why do I, why do I tell you know, partial truth? Why do, I, why do I hold out back this little piece? Why, do I, why is it with that one, this particular person? Why is it with this particular people? Why? The answer to that is, is, is important. You have to get the answer to that. It's important. What the Proverbs and our tongues are telling us is that our words need to be healed. And you want to know what's the, what the good news is? Is that they are. That's the good news. If you know your Bible, you know that the word, words are healed. Isn't it fascinating that the first thing that the Holy Spirit did when he descended upon his church on Pentecost in the book of Acts was he touched the tongues of the people who would receive his spirit, his power. Isn't that, isn't that incredible? So, so the thing that happened in Babel back in Genesis where, where, where humanity had their, their, um, their own selfish agenda established and they were busy build, er, erecting this, this tower to, to, um, to celebrate the achievement of self. God comes in and he, stir, he stirs up all the language, and they, and they kind of scatter, speaking different tongues. And isn't it interesting to you, isn't it fascinating that in Pentecost, that, that, the, that there's an unbabbling of Babel going on in the first work of the Spirit in, among, among the church and community? He's fixing and healing the tongue. I don't know about you, but I think that's fascinating. And then, of course, we read from the Gospels that man can't live by bread alone. This is what Peter told Jesus. We need the word. We need, wor- the, we need words and we need the word. And of course, Jesus is this perfect example of how to speak, as we've touched on before. But he's the word. The book of Revelation says he's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the entire alphabet. God is everything. Jesus is everything. He is the one who um, fills the hunger in our human souls. And why? Why do we know that? Why is that true? Well, because on the cross, what did Jesus endure? The thing that none of us wanted to endure. He, en- he endured silence, the ultimate silence, the a cosmic silence. When he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was being, he, the, the, the father was turning his face away. Why? He, he, he took this, Jesus took this on. He received this ultimate silent treatment so that we would um, always be able to be heard by God. That's why. He took, he took the ultimate silent treatment so that we always could have our words be received by the grace and mercy of God. If we ask, if we but ask, doesn't seem fair, but that's the beautiful work of the gospel. That's what Jesus does. We don't ever have to hear silent treatment from God. We can now hear, I love you. I died for you. I have a better way and plan and path for you. I'll heal your heart so your words can change. I'll heal your heart so what your words will reflect is something brand new and beautiful in you. I'll do that work in you if you invite me in, if you let me. And never again. Because Jesus had that, cult, that cosmic silence. We never have to hear that from God ever again. I don't know about you, that sounds like a pretty good deal. So, 
Our words have weight. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for your word. Your, your, Jesus, yourself being the perfect word, your, the words of scripture being um, so clear and poignant and helpful. Um, and Lord, the way that you unfold it all is to, you show us the truth and then you show us that the, the news is pretty bad, but, the, um, but, the, but also the, there's, there's also such good news um, around all of that. And so, Lord, we want to embrace that this morning. We want to embrace, embrace the, the good news around the bad news, that we are, yes, we are sinners. We are, we are desperately in need of you, and, and we need you, and I am so thankful to know that you hear that and you respond. So, God, help us. Help us with our hearts um, and with our tongues and our words. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.